This is an Altamont Enterprise podcast recorded February 19th, 2017 at the Homefront Cafe in downtown Altamont, New York. We're with six Marine veterans of the Battle of Iwo Jima in February 1945, 72 years ago. They are Thomas Smith, Dick Verone, Salvatore Famularo, Tom Lemmy, Carlo Valenti, and George Ross. My name is Dick Verone, and when I was 17, I had to get permission from my parents to enlist in the Marine Corps. My mom didn't go for it. I finally talked my dad into having her sign papers, so I went in. I uh, went to the radio school in Camp Lejeune and then shipped out to Hawaii. Uh, while I was overseas, I got into a, a small outfit of 136 men. We were forward observers attached to the 3rd, 4th, and 5th Marine Divisions. I was attached to the 5th Marine Division, the 27th Marines. And I was on the Guam, and then we went to the Iwo Jima. I uh, landed at, they call Green Beach One, at the foot of Suribachi. I was on the island for the whole campaign. I was lucky, got through it, and I had some close buddies, which I lost there. But while I was there, I learned one thing, to be honest and fair with everybody and to thank God for getting me through the battle. And that, that's about it right now. Uh, I have a funny little story I always tell, and it's just before we were going overseas. And to give us something to do, they would put us on different jobs, and one of them was the telephone operator, the switchboard. And one of my buddies was going on, and uh, I uh, said to him, Zach, I'll come up and keep you company. And I went up there with him. Finally, this call come through and said, this is Major St. Peter. Well, this Zach is a witty guy. He said, well, this is PFC Jesus Christ. What the hell are you working <laughs> And shortly after, the major came in, and he read us off pretty good. But he said, I could have you court-martialed, but I'm not because I know you guys are going overseas. And he, he let us go. He said, but do the job you were trained to do. And he thanked That's us. <laughs> That's about it. Okay, thank you. Duke? No. Going to say a few words? Yeah, I can say a few words. I can't get up. You don't have to excuse me. Here, Duke. I want to assure D-Day I didn't get located for at least until 11 o'clock that morning. The debt rate was unbelievable. Uh, I was lucky. 
I was an ammo car I was a, a, a mortar man, but ended up carrying my, my ammunition to the top of Mount Suribachi. I was up the top of Suribachi. They were still taking pictures of the hanging of the flag. Like a lot of people don't know, the original flag was a small flag, and they put, they set a few of ways down to bring up the flag from the, from the what I call them. Um, Just take your time. Yeah. The LST down below. And from there on, it was just one fight after the other. They pulled us back. We got regrouped. Went back in. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to talk about it. Anyway, we got up to the end of the island. And uh, we got up to the end of the island. Uh, there was too many snipers around, and we didn't have many Marines to back up our section of the fighting. So we had uh, Navy men in there. I forget what you call them, but they used to have a special uniform. Well, that's where I got picked off, right there before the last operation there. They were getting the chap, the chap general. And one of the sergeants come up and says, "Hey, you guys have been on the line too long. On the line too long. You two guys get off." It's myself and a guy from Saratoga. That's all I was left in the whole. I the whole regiment. Well, anyway, get, getting back to the regiment, they take they took. Started me off the island. That's when I got picked off the Japanese sniper. The Japanese sniper put me on on that. Uh, oh, cripes, I can't think of it. I'll say it, it wasn't a Jeep. It was a. Uh, oh, cripes. Uh, they got me on to a uh, ship, the Ellis. Uh, the hospital ship and the hospital ship was covered with Marines. All I can say is, I don't want to say too much more about it, too many Marines died for a cause that you'll never know. People will never know. Uh, a lot of thoughts there and a lot of friends I left behind there. Okay. My name is Sal Famularo. I'm originally from Amsterdam, New York. I enlisted in the Marine Corps in 1943. When I graduated high school, they always have your picture in the yearbook and something funny to say on the bottom. It said, going into the Marine Corps will probably be sewing buttons on Marine uniforms. <laughs> Little did I know what was in store for me. 
Just like the Colonel said, the two airfields on Iwo Jima, how well I know them two airfields. I lost so many friends there. I think about it all the time. When I got hit in a place called the amphitheater, I was evacuated. A tank went over me, pulled me up to the escape hatch from the bottom, and took me to the beach to be evacuated to a hospital ship. When they finally got me to the beach, I was half in and half out from the morphine. Thank God for the simple reason, all I could see were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stretchers, shelter halves, ponchos with dead and dying Marines waiting to be evacuated. That's something I can never, ever forget. Who was screaming for their mothers? Who was screaming to God? I'm glad that the morphine didn't wear off because I was half in and half out. And I guess that's what saved me from going a little crazy. But my friend, I'm going to say something, but don't hold it against me. <laughs> if any of you ever heard the last stanza of the Marines hymn, it goes like this. If the Army and the Navy ever gazed on heaven's scenes, They'll always find the streets are guarded by the United States Marines. Fellas, I think every one of you, it's an honor to be with you, and thank you. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you, sir. Go ahead. I'm going to wait for last. Go ahead. <clears throat> uh, my name is Tom Lemmy. Uh, I got into the Marines the easy way. I uh, had to wait to be drafted because my family had the food market in the corner of Larkin State Street in Albany, New York, and uh, had a brother in service. He was in the Navy for about two years, so I waited to be drafted, and as luck would have it, I went to the post office thinking I was going to uh, go into the Navy. They asked me my preference. I said Navy, like my brother. And lo and behold, they said, we need volunteers for the Marine Corps. And can we have four volunteers? And of course, nobody volunteered. <laughs> so he said, in that case, we'll pick. Number one, I was me. Okay. So that's how I got into the Marines. But anyway. 
uh, on Iwo Jima, I guess my stay was short and sweet. Well, not sweet so much, but anyway, I was there for 13 days. But uh, I'm going to relate an incident that, uh, in fact, it just culminated as of last week. Anyway, uh, Company F came down to our Company G and said uh, they were out of demolitions and they, they needed uh, a, a demolition man, and that was my job. I was part of a third squad called the Assault Squad, and uh, we had the C2 satchel demolition stuff, so they called to us for demolitions. So I went up, and as I went up, a sergeant obviously had looked into a cave, and he'd been shot. He'd been shot in the, in the gut, I, uh, and he was lying there, so. Anyway, they said the cave is up uh, up front here, probably about 30 or 35 yards in front of the lines, and go blow it up, you know. And I did, but uh, that was about all I had to do on the island, other than uh, the fact that this last week there, with the help of Mark, with the help of Mark, what happened, we got in touch with the niece of the sergeant that had been wounded, and this was only last week, and she was surprised to hear from us. And I had to tell her how her uncle had been uh, wounded, and uh, she was happy to hear from us about it. But anyway, that was 72 years later, I, I let her know how her uncle had been wounded, so she was appreciative of that. Well, what ended my uh, stay on Iwo Jima was the fact that uh, three of us was sharing a foxhole, and what was happening had to be after dark, because we took turns each. One person would be on watch for an hour while the other two slept. And while it wasn't my turn to be on watch, I was asleep. And even with my eyes shut, with my eyes closed, I saw the flash of the hand grenade that eventually wounded me and killed uh, the private that who was on deck. So that's how I got my wounds. And later on, after I learned how to use a computer, I got in touch with the family and I told them what had happened and they, they came up to see me anyway. But. That was just about the, all of my career, excepting that when I was in a hospital, I got a chance to meet with Shirley Temples. Oh. <laughs> if you look on the wall, there we are. That picture on the wall is me, me with Shirley. <laughs> so that about ends my story, but that's it. I am, my name is George Ross. I enlisted on my 17th birthday in 19, September 21st, 1943. I didn't go down to boot camp until November. And then from there, I went to, my wife is pulling on me here. <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> so I, Went down to 
Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and I kept on running down to the sergeant's office, and I told him that I didn't join the Marine Corps to work in the spud locker. I wanted to go overseas because my brother was already over there with the 1st Division on Guadalcanal, Cape Glossoran, Palau, and New Guinea. He was with through all of them. He had a good publicity agent because he got two silver stars in a Marine Corps Commendation Medal. So that's my brother. Now I don't have a story like that. I was on Guam at 17, and I was on Iwo Jima at 18, and I was only on Iwo a few days, and I had a nervous breakdown or combat Whatever they said, I cyclonerosis case, I guess. And so then I went down, I got on, they took me down and put me in the, the B-Med there on the island of Iwo. And the doctor came around and he said to these guys, how do you feel? Oh, I got this, I got that. So a couple of days back on the front lines of Cure Daddy, he said, he come to me, he says, how do you feel? I says, fine. So I'm outside. I was the barman, because uh, he said, send him back, too. When he said that, I went out and looked over for my BAR, because I had my buddy carved on the forearm piece there. Somebody already grabbed it. So he says, wait a minute. The corpsman's come out and grabbed me and says, where are you going? I says, back up to the front lines. He says, no, back to the beach for you. That's when I thought I was a psycho case because I wanted to go back up there. <laughs> so I go to Fleet Hospital 111 on Guam. That was our home base after we took Guam. And uh, finally, I went back into the company area that stayed, the rear restaurants that stayed behind. And... We got a new commander in there, because our company commander, Captain Crawford, he got killed on Iwo, and our second in charge, Lieutenant, first lieutenant, he got killed on Iwo. So we got a new company commander, which he only ran guard mounts in the States. So he started his guard mount crap, you know, excuse the French. So I says, well, if this guy is going, our next hit is going to be Japan. I'm not going with this guy that's guard mountain. I would turn myself back in and went to the Fleet Hospital 111. They put me down in. Next thing you know, I'm flying to Hawaii in the hospital there. Then I come back and got discharged in San Diego, California. So that's my story. It's not exciting, but that was it. My name is Tom Smith, and I joined the Marines in 1942, went to Paris Island, then to Camp Lejeune. They put me in a raider outfit, and uh, we trained as a raider. On the way to California, they disbanded the raiders, and I was shipped over to 4th Marine Division as a machine gunner. I was wounded on Marshall Islands, and then uh, on Saipan and Tinian, 
I, uh, I found out that I was trained as a raider and gave me a group. And I, all through Saipan and Tinian, I took my group behind Jap lines, through the lines, went out every night during the whole operation, then came back and stayed in the line during the day. I was wounded twice on Saipan and then went back to Maui. That was our advanced base. On the way to Iwo Jima, my company commander became a general, General Garrison was his name, hell of a Marine, and on the way over, he called me in the office on the ship and said, TJ, that's another story, uh, got good news and bad news. The good news is you're going to be with me. The bad news, you should have been sent home. At that time, when you were wounded twice, they sent you home. Well, on Iwo Jima, there was no scouting going on. They made me a runner, and my job was taking messages all over the island. And uh, it was quite interesting, and I think maybe doing all that running around may have saved my life. I had a lot of experiences there, and one I, I always remember was when we were on Iwo, I'd been sent around delivering messages, picking messages up, uh, making observations. I was sent back to find Company E. And I always remember this. There was an opening in our lines. We first went to the first airfield, the second airfield, and we were the biggest battle, as far as I was concerned, was Hill 382. 382 was almost as high as Sirbachi, and there were five, ten openings in that hill that took you downstairs. 22,000 Japanese lived under the ground. Well, I was sent out to find out what happened at our extreme left. I went out there looking for Company E, Found an opening about 20, 30 yards, nothing there. Saw one man standing there, and I asked him, where's Company E? He looked at me, started to cry. I said, what's the matter? He said, I'm Company E. The company was completely wounded and wiped out. So that was my experience on Iwo, running here and there. And I was happy that the Lord was good to me, and I didn't get a scratch. I went through 36 days on that island and uh, was very happy to, to come out of it alive. We appreciate you all coming here and being with us. And I don't know if anyone here wants to say anything. We'd be very happy to give you the opportunity. Thank you. Well, Cindy, Cindy,